I know I don't have to be formal. So just a reminder to everyone, we'll sit for five minutes and then baby girls. And then one person will read the koan and then we'll sit for five minutes more. And then I'll do more instructions later. How's that? Five minutes, koan, five minutes. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Do you want me to time or do you want to time? Yes, oh no, please, I don't have. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so would anyone like to read the koan? Or do you want to just do alphabetical? <laughs> that would be you, Kim, if we start out. Okay, I will read it. All right, thank you. The National Teachers Three Calls. <coughs> the National Teacher called his attendant three times, and each time the attendant responded. The National Teacher said, I thought I wronged you. But actually, it is you who has wronged me. So now we sit five more minutes, yes? You know, Nelda, that uh, the translation for koan is legal case. Did you know that? No. Yes. Yeah. You see the smile on my face? Yeah. <laughs> But not in, some, not in the they, same sense, I'm sure. Well, I don't know, but sometime maybe you can, you know, say something about how you you might relate them to legal cases. It doesn't it doesn't feel have the same resonance at all? But maybe it will someday. Maybe only under Roe v. Wade when they talked about the penumbra of women's rights. Hmm. But we'll move on. Okay. Okay. Is it Laurie next to read the comment? Yeah, don't I read the both the or, or wait a minute, let me look at the chat to see if we write next. No. No, we, I just read the koan and then the then the and comment. And then woman. The national teacher called his attendant attendant three times, and each time the attendant responded. The national teacher said, I thought I wronged you but actually it is you who have wronged me. Woman's comment. With the natural, national teacher three calls, his tongue fell to the ground. With the attendance three responses, the radiant lights harmonized one with the other. The national teacher was old and lonely, 
He pressed the ox's head down to make it eat grass, but the attendant would have none, would have none of it. Delicious food does not suit one who is already full. But tell me, where was he wrong? When the country is at peace, talented men are esteemed. When the family is wealthy, the youngsters maintain their composure. He makes people wear iron fetters with no openings, incriminating his descendants so none can be at ease. If you want to prop open our gate and support the family, you must climb barefoot up the mountain of knives. Yikes. And now we sit and write for five minutes. Well, we sit for five and then write for five. Okay. All right. Thank you, Kim. five minutes. So I start with Gugu's comments, correct? Yes. All right. Gogo's comment. The story involves a master and an attendant disciple. This is a very intimate kind of Dharma relationship, perhaps closer than that of a teacher and a student. An attendant is someone who takes care of the teachers day in and day out, sometimes for decades. In fact, he or she has to wake up before the teacher and go to bed after the teacher has gone to bed. In attending to all the material needs of the teacher, the attendant observes and learns from the teacher directly, especially the teacher's vows and life mission. The attendant inevitably, through osmosis, takes those vows and that mission as his or her own. But first, the student must understand the teacher, take care of the teacher's needs, starting with material requirements. Even though their relationship is close, a good attended disciple will not simply copy the teacher's actions, but will instead come to his or her own being. This takes genuine practice and realization. Such is the gong on here. This case is about the national teacher, Chan Master Nanyang Huizhang, and his attendant, Dan Wang Ying Shen. In order to be a national teacher, one has to be a great master, able to counsel the emperor. This particular case took place when Huizhang was already 100 years old. One day, he calls his attendant by his name, perhaps. Danyang. In the old days, in the ancient classical Chinese, one responded to the call with 
yo, yo, Adrian. <laughs> Which can be roughly translated as here or exist. Here, Wee Shang calls the attendant three times, saying nothing the first two times. But after his third call to his attendant, he says, in all of these years we've been together, I thought I had wronged you, but actually it is you who have wronged me. Um, do you guys think that it's three separate times that he called the attendant and the attendant came, <coughs> but he didn't say anything here? It sounds like, or that. I'm really confused. I the, actually think on. he didn't even say anything. It's sort of like they were so intimate, didn't even require words. At least I get the impression and I may have read it wrong saying nothing the first two times. So they were so intimate. It didn't even require that. It may have just been a slight movement or an energy. Um, this is the most, by the way, confusing of all the koans we've read. There is a sense that he was lonely too. Like sometimes it, if yeah. you have, uh, you know, if you're lonely and you have someone around, you'll keep calling them, but without any need. So I don't know. But in, in the actual koan, he says, and each time the attendant responded. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it might even have been a sigh, just a, and then the attendant knew him so well, he came without needing to be called. I don't know. Your turn, Kim. Well, how about uh, Lori? You're first. Oh, okay. I'm after you. <clears throat> what is the meaning of this? A Chan teacher has nothing to say in particular. For him, it's all good. Each and every one of his or her disciples is perfect. A teacher sees the student's Buddha nature and responds from that perspective. Even though the disciple comes with problems, vexations, difficulties, and challenges in life, you may think that it is your various problems in life that have brought you to practice, but it is actually your perfect Buddha, Buddha nature that has brought you. That's nice. Maybe you feel a sense of dis-ease in your life. You feel troubled and you want to do something about it. Just think about all those people who don't come to the Dharma to practice. After all, why should people embark on the practice, twist their legs into a pretzel, and sit like that for an hour and a half? People who come to the Dharma are usually sensitive people who feel a need to practice. It is for this reason that the teacher speaks out and teaches, even though he or she knows very well that there is nothing to teach. All of your difficulties, anxieties, vexations, and challenges are created by the mind. Yet you are wired up in such a way that you completely give in to your own construct. In life, you paint a tiger and become frightened by it. It is you who have painted it. In personal interviews with the teacher, you approach the teacher and share your difficulties. I want to practice. I want to resolve my gongon. 
I want to attain Buddhahood. I want to do this. I want to get rid of that. Although the teacher knows the pointlessness of all of these concerns, that they stem from the fantasy of habit tendencies and vexations, that all you need to do is just let go. The teacher can't simply tell this to the students. The teacher has to complicate this little because students are complicated. Yes, you tend to want complications. Perhaps the teacher talks about various topics such as the method, the correct attitude and practice, or maybe the teacher encourages the students to relax. The more complicated or esoteric the teacher's comments are, the more they will seem convincing. <laughs> students become grateful to the teacher for all the accumulated years of knowledge that he or she is passing on to them. Meanwhile, the teacher has really said nothing. I thought I wronged you, but actually it is you who have wronged me. It is precisely Hui Zhang's pointless calls and Don Yan's selfless responses that make this case so wonderful. A splendid meeting of minds. The statement above can be rendered how touching you and I speak the same language. I throw you some construct, some garbage, and you throw it right back at me. Good job. As a teacher, I must apologize to my students and to you, the reader. All the useless words I've passed on to you, creating more fabrications and constructs in order to teach you amount to nothing really. But how will you respond? If someone calls you three times, and does not say a single word, would you get frustrated or annoyed? So I'm, I'm reminded that the Buddha was, was um, the attendant 500 lifetimes for other Buddhas before he became Buddha. You know, it's just like an endless job, even doing it perfectly. And then also thinking about how Peg, many times talked about how in the koans, it's the relationship that's so essential, mm. which I think is important here. Mm. Don't you? Mm. You may even get annoyed after the first time. When I was a young novice, my teacher would call me, hey boy. I used to feel uneasy hearing those words because I knew that I had done something wrong. And it's funny that the first time I read it, the koan, I thought that he he was called because he had done something wrong, hmm. which is kind of funny that my, uh, you know, construction there. And if I hadn't, I'd think, what does he want now? The reason behind my disease, disease was that Master Shen Yen was like a clear mirror or a radiant spotlight. The mirror reflects everything, a flaw here, a problem there. My ignorance was completely exposed in front of him with nowhere for me to hide. On a daily basis, he pointed out my problems to me, sometimes not with words, but with his look or smile. 
At other times, he would ask a simple question, double checking that I had done everything I needed to do. Somehow, I often managed to forget a few things I needed to do for him. The dis-ease I felt had reasons and was bound up with my own attitudes toward my teacher, <coughs> whom I saw as a mirror. Don't you ever feel like that towards someone you greatly respect? But such feeling is strictly your own. It has nothing to do with it being imposed by the person you so respect. It is you who cannot be your own being, autonomous. A teacher has nothing particular he or she wants to say or do. Of course, having a teacher is quite helpful, especially when you encounter a difficulty or a problem that stems from frustration. The benefit of going for an interview is that in the teacher's presence, not only do you see your own flaws and stupidity, they actually feel the absurdity of the question and that you do not have a problem at all. On many occasions, as I went before my teacher and said, I have a question, he would say, yes, what is it? There was such power in his presence that I soon felt my question was just silly. Then I would say, I don't think it's a problem anymore. Yet before I brought the question to him, I, I could get all wound up and tangled by my own hands. That's sort of what I was talking about at, I don't know if it was here in Koan classes, somewhere about how terrified I was of Peg. It wasn't that she did anything. It was my stuff of thinking, oh, she knows so much. I know nothing. Oh, I'm going to show my ignorance. It was all of that. Yeah. Back to something you said about it's the relationship that counts, Kim. It's multiple, I think, relationships for me that count not only my relationship to the person, but my relationship to the work. My father was um, kind enough to share with us that all work is noble work, no matter what you're doing. And so that was lovely to honor everybody's work, whether they're a lawyer like your dad or you know, somebody who comes here and helps me in the yard. Um, so lots of different kinds of relationships. Um, so where are we? In this case. In this case, however, there is a call and a response. A call and a response three times freely, without any obstacles, without any hesitation. Both Wei Shang and Danyuan have no hangups. That's why woman said, with the national teacher's three calls, his tongue fell to the ground. This means there's really no need for Huishang to say anything. In his old age, Huishang's heart had become too kind, like that of a grandmother. Realizing this, Huishang makes this comment about his attendant. It is you who have wronged me, meaning you have done well. With the attendant's three responses, the radiant lights harmonized one with the other. This expression means that the radiance of the lights fuses into the other without any obstructions at all. How can lights obstruct anything? 
There is no boundary between this and that light. There's non-obstruction. The attendant's response was without obstruction. The wisdom of the teacher and the wisdom of the disciple interfused, intermingled freely. It is like a mirror responding to a mirror, or like a stamp and a seal, or a teacup and its lid that fits perfectly. It is not like a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. This is what Chan calls a mind-to-mind -mind seal or mind-to-mind -mind transmission. What is being transmitted? Nothing. Both teacher and disciple are perfectly present. There is mere recognition of that. Uh, for some of you, when someone calls you once, especially, you guys are aware of like the importance of the number three, you know, and all of the three chants and three vows and all that stuff. No, I'm not, Kim. What is that? But everything we do is in threes. Yeah. And the chants that we do, even though there's variations between like one stand, Peg added that a couple of years ago or three or four years ago but they normally are exactly the same, more like caught in the self-centered dream where we repeat that three times. And in Judaism, you have to apologize three times and then if the person doesn't accept your apology, you've done your job. But three, three is just such an important number. Well, Kim, I wonder if you thought about, about Samuel being called three times. I don't know that. But From the Torah? Samuel? Yeah. Samuel's not in the Torah, is he? Maybe in Isn't Kings it? or something? Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe yeah. King. Yeah. Yeah. But but that's the, that's one of the first things I thought of yeah. was reading oh. it. Oh, I wonder yeah. if that's any... Yeah. You've kind of done your work then with three <laughs> yeah. times. What, Lori? Yeah. In the ceremonies, they're all in three times. So they, like in the head student ceremony, and oh, you're asked three times if you're, times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So who's reading? I am. Okay. Okay. Right, you just finished. Yeah. For some of you, when someone calls you once, especially your superior. You often have some problems with that call. You start to think of this and that, reacting to the call with your own projections. You may respond with fear or with annoyance. If someone calls you three times, surely by the second time, most of you would respond with some irritation. What do you want? Spit it out. The teacher called three times and the disciple's response was without vexation. It was as if he had called out into an abyss and the echo answered. An echo has no self. The response also has no self. And yet there is a response. It would be wrong to think, since I have no self, there's no need to respond to that old fool who's trying to cut me down. Oh, sorry. For most of you, if someone called you three times without saying a word, something would stir up within you. 
For this reason, Wuman says, he pressed the ox's head down to make it eat grass, but the attendant would have none of it. Delicious food does not suit one who is already full. Oh, I didn't get it, but maybe it also uh, on the surface is about the ox wasn't hungry. Because the ox was already full. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but how does that connect with the with the koan? I think they're going to tell us. Okay. <laughs> they better. <laughs> I'm going to ask for my money back. Then Don Juan was not disturbed at all. He was content. His practice was already ripe, and he had already come into his own. There were no vexations left. That said, in daily life, one still naturally responds to the calls of others, <coughs> even if one is already awakened. It is not that you no longer need to do your job or can do whatever you want. Just like in this case, Don Juan, Dan, Dan Yan, was an attendant to Wee's Hong. He still responded to each of Wee Zong's calls. Yet for each response, no vexations. <laughs> this is a principle of practice in life. It is as simple as that. If you still entertain vexations, then you have hang-ups. Let them go and respond. I always uh, forget what this word means um, here. What word? What word? Vexations, the, the state of being annoyed, frustrated, or worried. Mm -hmm. Something that causes annoyance. So irritations? You, I guess, yeah. <laughs> so if you still are irritated, then you have hang-ups. Yeah, that's something I've been um, trying to eliminate in the last few days, <laughs> to be irritated. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, so, that it's each, not going so well. <laughs> some days it does and some days not, but I each know. irritation is, oh, I get to practice more. Oh, I get to practice more. Well, the good thing about like, you know, your memory not being so good is you can't remember that well. What, yeah. oh. oh, I have to tell you this about um, sweet Betty, who is is in process of leaving this world i'll call her every day and i'll say how was your day and sometimes she'll tell me another time it's like you know i don't know i don't remember so i guess pretty good i think oh that is one of the benefits of memory loss right you yeah. don't remember the bad moments and so pretty good one time linda said to me you did something yesterday that really bothered me and i said what was it she said i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who's reading? Laurie. Laurie, yeah. Yes. Don't respond. Okay. Don't respond with some clever repartee. For some people, when a Chan master asks them a question, their thoughts start spinning a thousand miles an hour. 
whoo, this is a special question. Maybe I should respond this way or that way. Maybe the true meaning of his calling is that he is really calling my Buddha nature. How do I respond to that? Maybe give a shout or slam the ground with my palms. Once my teacher was giving a Dharma talk to the general public at a university somewhere in the Midwest. There were hundreds of people present. At the end of his talk, he asked, is there anyone who has a question? A gentleman, either a Zen practitioner or someone who must have read too many Zen stories, slammed on his wooden chair. Bam, he said very confidently, all of this talk is like talking about a menu. Where is the meal? Master Shen Yen casually smiled. You want a meal? Come to my seven day retreat that begins tomorrow. There will be plenty of meals for you. And everyone just laughed. Let me emphatically say there was no need for any of this kind of game. The best way to respond to the calls of life is the sincerity, a response that comes from your heart. It comes from your being. There is no need to mimic past Chan masters. There's no need to put on a facade or mask for anyone. You must ask yourself, what are the roles that you take on in your daily life? What different hats do you wear? Do you take these roles and hats as yourself? Chan practitioners respond to situations without putting up a facade even if you are a great actor or actress, as soon as you act, have you lost your true identity? When you are humble and sincere, you can receive teachings. From today onward, if someone calls you, maybe your loved one, maybe someone that you know, or maybe even a difficult person, know that the person is your mirror. How do you respond to the calls? Do you respond freely without obstacles? Are you like lights that blend, fuse with other lights? Or do you set up some barriers or respond with annoyance or suspicion? What does he or she want now? What did I do wrong now? Your responses reveal who you are and what you need to work on in practice. The key is work on your shortcomings, but know that you're perfect. It's all good. Be at peace because you don't lack anything from outside yourself. The path is within you. Please don't resort to old habits and patterns. Otherwise, you become like the ox that's not full. When someone presses on you to eat grass, you automatically start munching. But the ox, be the ox that's already full. In the story, Dan Yuan, Dan Yuan would have none of it as he was already full. This is an or extraordinary case. The attendant is fully enlightened, as is his teacher, as is the teacher. Yeah, so I was thinking about the Buddha that he had to do it 500 times because he wasn't very good at it. And then I decided, no, he was great right at the beginning. He just, and then he, he had to do it 500 times because he had some ambition of being a Buddha. So then I gave up on that idea that he gave that up immediately too. 
he just had to do it 500 times, I think. <laughs> Yet the attendant is still serving the master. This is where Chan tradition differs from worldly teachings. Nowadays, when a student learns an art or thinks he or she has learned it, the student rushes off to be a teacher. There are even practitioners who practice in order to become teachers. This is an upside down mentality. That's the mind of grasping and rejecting, the mind of vexations. <coughs> in Chan, practitioners stay with their teachers until that teacher passes away, and then they go on practicing several more years. If causes and conditions push you to be a teacher, then you teach. If causes and conditions do not, then you don't need to teach. Some people fancy themselves to be compassionate practitioners and take the vow. May I, lifetime after lifetime, be reborn and practice the Dharma so that the Dharma will spread. And wherever I go, may my luminosity help others. This is a nice vow, but it is garbage. Such a big self in this statement. The Dharma doesn't need you to propagate it. There is nothing to teach and there's nothing to learn in the Buddha Dharma. Only when we are vexed is the Buddha Dharma. The ox needs to eat grass only if it is hungry. The grass is relevant only when there is an ox. Mm -hmm. Well, do you, do you mind reading that again, Lori, the last one? The yeah. ox? The, the whole thing? Oh, just the ox needs... The ox needs to eat grass only if it is hungry. The grass is relevant only when there's an ox. Thank you. My teacher has already passed away. He no longer pushes my head down to eat grass and says, gobble up. So now everyone I meet is my teacher. When someone asks me a difficult question, it's like saying, Gogu, eat grass. When you share with me your experience and troubles, that's grass. In all situations, in interactions with people and events, there are opportunities to eat grass. My practice is no ox, no grass, yet I eat grass. This is my way of repaying my gratitude to my teacher. This is how the teaching of Chan is carried on and someone must carry on the family tradition. This someone must practice very hard and the causes and conditions must be right. That's the meaning of woman's if you want to prop open our gate and support the family, you must climb barefoot upon the mountain of knives. In order to practice hard, you must personally come to realize Wu Min's question. But tell me, where was he wrong? In other words, Hui Zhang calls three times and Don Yan responds without vexation. It seems that Hui Shang did something that was unnecessary. Is this why Wu Men says he was wrong? Please do not think of this wrong as the opposite of right. Yet what does wrong mean? This is the critical phrase 
or Huatu in this gongam? In all situations of wrong, do no wrong to self and others. <coughs> Facing the call of life, if you find yourself doing wrong, admit it. Take up the responsibility. If you find yourself doing something right and become proud, say, what? where is the wrong? The next time someone calls you and gets frustrated, meditate on this. Where is the wrong? If you respond with vexation, that's the wrong. You're eating grass, even though you're already full. Most people are caught up in right and wrong. John practitioners must not wrong themselves and others. Still, you must realize the where is the wrong that is beyond right and wrong. Keep asking. He makes people wear iron fetters with no openings, incriminating his descendants so none can be at ease. What a wonderful teacher. I don't know how to pronounce that word. A kangu? I don't know. Look it up. Thank you. Thank you so much. comes up several times. Count, count, I, I don't know. I wonder what, is that English? Well, uh, it's an instrument of ancient China, so I don't. Oh, it's one of those black things that go around your head. It's like the stocks. Yes, and what do they, but how do they pronounce that? I'll, I'll, I'll look that up in just a second. Um, okay. It says K-A-E-N is the pronunciation. Kong? But it's an A-E together. I know that. Kang? You say that? K-A-E-N, Kang? Yeah. Kang. Yeah. Or it's also called T-C-H-A. It's a device that was used for public humiliation and corporal punishment in East Asia and some other parts of Southeast Asia. Interesting. Okay. So, so a pronunciation would be what? Can I just say Kong? Uh, let me, they'll, they'll say it for us. Oh, oh, good. Okay. Here we go. There. All right. It says, Kanj I. How to pronounce? Okay, here it is. Here's a video. I don't want a video. I just want to pronounce Okay, here we go. Can you hear mine? No. No. Kang. 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 With a soft A, um, Kang, Kang, okay. Kang. Thank you, okay. So let me, I will start over. What a wonderful teacher. A Kang is an instrument of ancient China for prisoners. Basically, it's made up of two big wooden planks 
with holes for the hands and for the neck. They are put together and then locked, and you carry this big piece of wood around on your shoulders like a prisoner. It's not like nowadays with simple when simple handcuffs are used, and with your hands you can <laughs> still hit the police and get free. If you're walking around with a 50-pound solid piece of wood around your neck, there's no way you can escape to someone's house and blend in with everyone. <laughs> Is Hui Shang making us wear iron fetters? No, he has a wonderful iron kang without holes. Is there such a thing? No, don't be trapped by words of right and wrong or any of the words you hear in life or any of the situations in which you find yourself. If you find yourself eating grass or wearing an iron fetter, bring forth the Watto, where's the wrong? But know that there is in reality no grass or fetter. There's also no ox. If you don't understand this personally, then continue to bring forth this questioning. Word hato. Well, that's another one that's not in my dictionary. Oh, that's interesting. That Watto is the point beyond which speech exhausts itself. A Watto oh. can be a short phrase that is used as a subject of meditation to focus the mind. Oh. Then there's something called the Watto method. <coughs> a Watto is a question that you ask yourself as a way of practice. Watto means words. Tu, ha, Ha means words, to means head or source. When we practice a Watto, we are looking deeply into the nature of being by asking ourselves an open-ended question, which we lock into our brains. Sounds like a koan. Which goes back to some of our first koans that said, just repeat, woo. Was that the word? Woo. Yes. Woo. Yes. Yes. Doesn't even have right. to mean anything because some things are beyond words. They just are. How do you describe that? Here it says a Watto is a confounding question, much like a Zen koan. Typical ones are, what is Wu? <laughs> what was my original face before birth and death? <laughs> no. Well, is it clearer? Yes. I think so. It's clear, and here's what I trust when it's not. That in the days and the weeks and the months and the years and the minutes, um, 
that go by, I will at some point deeply know all that I need to know in perfect time if I just stay with my practice. So, see, I kind of feel the opposite. <laughs> I kind oh. of feel like I will know what I, I need to know or I won't. <laughs> you know, e- either way, either way, it will be what it will be. Mm-hmm. My, my job is just kind of to just keep showing up. Oh, there we go. Have you guys heard that, that with all the instrumentation we have, we can only perceive about 20% of reality? Uh, I so you know who gave that talk what is his name Deepak Chopra gave a talk with one of my favorite gurus Sadhguru and he said that the common theory among leading scientists is that of all that exists that is in existence even if we read every book that ever existed listened to every piece of musical music studied every discipline traveled to the farthest planet or star that a spaceship or a satellite has taken us, what we would know or be able to experience was 0.01% no, of all that exists. He says, so what does that mean to you? And my first answer was, I know nothing. <laughs> I mean, I know if it's 0.01% or even 0.1, I know nothing. And that was- You know nothing. You know nothing, Jon Snow. I know nothing, right? And that was so comforting. You guys are obviously not Game of Thrones people. No. <laughs> How comfort, isn't that, to me, that was so comforting because to know that even if I knew everything possible, I would know nothing. Yeah. Relatively speaking. It is. Yeah. No. So have any of you... I was just going to ask, have any of you watched the documentary, uh, the one about um, uh, Google's um, teacher? No. Uh, no. Okay, well, it's on again tomorrow night. I think I wrote it down. Yeah, I'm going to watch it tomorrow. I yeah. think it's on at five or something. Well, I have, <laughs> why do I have 7.56 p.m.? Well, that, that's, I think, Eastern time. That's but that's such a strange time. Yeah. Eight o'clock would be more. Yeah, I think it's on like at five or five thirty our time. But uh, December, yeah, twenty second. Peg wrote, uh, sent yes. us something on that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it. I watched the trailer. Netflix. Do what? Is it Netflix? No, no, it's a a link for a trailer. It's not Netflix or something else. It's a documentary put out by, um, hang on a minute and I'll tell you real quick. A documentary about Master Xing Yang. Um, yeah. I met him. You UT, met him? At UT. Wow. Oh he was the first one to teach me meditation. Oh my, so are you gonna watch the documentary? I'd like to. It's, it's, uh, and it's hosted by um, Google Go. Okay. Oh, so, so that's where I can watch it. Where, what channel? Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll send everybody the link again. So oh, it'll good. be easy. Thank you. Okay, thank you. 
going to say the one thing that really caught me my eye in all of this um, was that um, um, that's where he goes. He says your responses reveal who you are, what you need to work on in practice. The key is work on your shortcomings, but know that you're perfect. It's all good. Be at peace because you lack you don't lack anything from outside yourself. The path to within. Anyway, what is it that oh, Flint or that's the one thing I pulled out of it that I well, was it Flint himself that said, or was he quoting someone where he said, you're already perfect, but you could use a little practice? No, that's Suzuki Roshi. Oh. Okay. Flint quotes that a lot though. Yeah. Constructs are thick cobwebs, aren't they? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. Yeah, right? yeah. It's all good. Anything else before we call it a night? Is no. Our... Uh, yeah, we're not meeting next Monday, right? Uh, okay. Is that everyone's nope. wish? Well, I can meet. I can too, but if we're not going to, it's our last meeting of the year tonight. Um, it's fine with me to meet. So what's, that'll be the 28th? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I'll make that or not. Or should we not? Okay, well, we can just wait. Go ahead. We can wait. We can wait. To me. Yeah, we can wait. Yeah. Let's wait. It's already canceled on the calendar. Ah, okay. Okay. And, and then we meet on the fourth. Uh, on the fourth in the new year. Oh my gosh! Right. Two oh two one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is a good one. Dong Sean. Three pounds of flex. Is that like five pounds of flesh? But a friend of mine gave a Dharma talk on this years ago, but I think I still have it. And it's just such a wonderful talk. But maybe after we do it, I'll send it to you guys. Oh, that would be great. Yes, thank you. And well, maybe it won't be so wonderful anymore. Well, it was about 10 years ago that she gave it. Or maybe it will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Okay. Thank you. you guys. Have a happy Bye. holiday. Happy Good night. New Year. Thank Merry you. Christmas. Happy New Year. Yes. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. Come and sit in the morning. We'll be every morning. I I'm doing it. Oh, I'm great. amazed. I am not a I am a night owl, not a, a morning person, but ever since you've mentioned it, I just love it. It's so nice. So Such a great way to start yeah. the day. It is. It is. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.